This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Pele leaned in and said something to Freddie. Don't let them change you. Keep working on what makes you different and what makes you special. It was great advice, but it caused me some problems. But what could change Freddie do? Soccer is going to explode, and it's going to be around this kid. We were the Beatles. Everywhere we went, it was the Freddie show. And with that came the expectation, and with that came the pressure. New episodes of American Prodigy drop Tuesdays from Blue Wire Podcasts. and prospects are the focus of week 15. Welcome back to Prospects 101, the show where we break down football prospects from all levels. We're talking high school prospects, college transfers, college recruiting, NFL prospects, and the NFL draft. And we wouldn't be able to have this podcast without our great partners, Blue Wire Pods and Bet Online. So big shout out and thank you to them. Remember, you can always interact with Prospects 101 on social media every Saturday and throughout the week. That's at Prospects 101 Pod on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And this is our Week 15 preview show, full show, guys. I'm joined by Kenny Keller and Brandon Pastel. Boys, we can see the finish line. Yeah, it's it's bittersweet, man, because college football is winding down and Every year when college football winds down, I start to get a little sad knowing that we're only a couple weeks away from not having it for a full year. But, gosh, dude, I mean, just the fact that we're at week 15 and it's been the year it's been, it's just I'm grateful for it. I'm grateful for it. Hey, for all of our XFL fans, I was reading today that Jonathan Hayes interviewed for the Vanderbilt job. Wow. Um, yesterday. Oh, so. dude. Let's That's go. a great fit for them, though. That's Phenomenal a great fit, fit for him. That's a great fit. Hire him today. That's let's a, go. Dude, big culture guy, Gless. I think he could turn that program around. Oh, there's players on Twitter coming out just like endorsing him left and right that play for the Battle Hawks. Oh, dude. Fit. I mean, you saw. Look, I don't want to dive too much in the weeds, but you saw it, man. When they played for him, they that dude that team was not the most talented team, and those guys had the most fun. They played the fastest. They played the loosest, and they like they loved that coach. They loved them. I, I think I saw another XFL signing as well, by the way. Taylor Heineke is now on the practice squad with, with the Washington football team. Let's go. <laughs> nice. nice. Let's go. So, hey, look at that. Some XFL news for those XFL fans that still listen to the pod and the show. That's great. Well, let's get into some big news as, as we have a lot to cover here. Uh, first thing, breaking news from the Big Ten. Their minimum six game or their their six game minimum to qualify for the Big Ten championship game has now been thrown out, saying that five games is fine. Guys, big decision from the Big Ten, but let's be honest. This was completely Ohio State motivated. They know that Ohio State's not playing this week against Michigan because of that game getting canceled. What did you think of the decision, and what are some bigger implications that you may see from this? I'll start it off. First, obviously they're doing it for Ohio State because it's their best chance to get to the college football playoffs. I understand every reason why they did it. The argument I have against it is that it makes the Big Ten look like a joke right now. Like, they, they said they were going to cancel football in the fall. Okay, so they got updated, uh, you know, intelligence saying that they can play this under these, these COVID restrictions, so they adjusted on the fly. Then they say they put in some rule. They put this own self-inflicted rule of a six-game uh, minimum to be in the conference uh, championship 
and then because obviously no one good enough to make the playoffs got that far besides Ohio State, they decided to change it the week before the championship. To me, it just makes it look like the Big Ten that has no leadership from the top, and they're making rules out on the fly for no reason. So I think it makes the Big Ten look bad, even though I understand why they did it. So, yeah, so to me it's very nuanced because Ohio State look, Ohio State could, lose, could have lost to Michigan this week and still been in the conference championship. So I'm okay kind of with them getting basically a free pass into it because they had it anyway. I understand you got to play the games that they lost to Michigan. It would have hurt them in the college football playoff. I get that. But I'm kind of okay with them getting put into the, the conference championship. They were in it anyway. They'd already clinched it. So they just, had, they just did, couldn't meet the eligibility requirement in terms of games played. What I think is a dangerous precedent is what I was seeing on social media where all these Big Ten fans and all these, all these Big Ten pundits were like, well – you have to do it for the money. That's where I draw the line and have an issue with because now you're saying, well, if that's the case, if the sole reason to do it was just to get the money from the college playoff, not to get the team into the playoff, but just the money from the other team's perspectives, which I don't think is true, but if that's the case, then if they go into you know week 15 next year and they're playing Michigan State, Who's five and five, and they're and they're ten and zero. Then what's the why, why not why not just have the Big Ten go? Well, hey refs, come on, take it a little easy on Ohio State. We need that college football playoff revenue. That's where it becomes a dangerous precedent to me is when you start making it all about money. I don't have a problem with them getting a free pass into the 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 conference championship in a vacuum because they were already in. They were already in. They just didn't have. They just didn't meet the requirements. And it was honestly this game was wasn't canceled due to them. So. I'm okay with it, but I'm, I'm I don't like the precedent of it's a strictly only yeah. do it because it's for the money. It's a short. That's what I don't like. It's a short term game for long term issues. Yeah, I mean it's just like anything in economics, right? Like just the unintended consequences of actions and precedents that are set make it a little bit dangerous. So I, I'm with you, Kenny. They're going to get in anyways, but just what this does from an optics standpoint, where everybody's like. Yeah, you know what? We're going to go for the money. And, and I get why the conference said, hey, we're going to go and, and get in for the for the money because everybody's cash short, right? Everybody's cash short. So mm-hmm. Big Ten teams are like, yeah, well, let's put them in. I, I have a larger philosophical view of that that I will get into later and why I think <laughs> that is wrong. But that's okay. Uh, we'll get into that when it comes to it. So interesting decision. Certainly not a shock. I don't think this was rumored to come out the past couple of days, especially when the Michigan-Ohio State get, game got canceled. Guys, that's, that's going to be weird. No Michigan-Ohio State game this year. Sucks. A bunch of other uh, rivalry games got canceled. I mean, I, I tell you what, if Army or Na- and Navy, if a player or players make it a situation where that game gets canceled – I don't even know what I'll think. I mean, it, like, uh, this even the season without those dude, two games? Don't even speak that into existence. Don't even speak <laughs> into existence. Don't even talk about it. So, anyways, uh, so that that's the decision that came out of the Big Ten. Now I want to get to the college football rankings going into Week 15. Uh, some Certainly some surprises here, I, I would think, and I would think that you guys are going to get into it. Um, and then I certainly kind of have my opinions about it as well. So, uh, college football rankings came out last evening. Guys, kind of what were your initial thoughts on what what we saw and really some of the movement there in the top eight? Well, I'll start with the bottom yeah. uh, 25, and that's the fact that, one, Tulsa didn't move from 24 after smoking, who was at Navy last week. Uh, Missouri's in the top 25. That came as a shock to me. Colorado's at 21. Uh, that was kind of – not not too much of a shock because they're 4-0 right now, and I think they're actually a pretty good football team. But still, Colorado, we thought was one of the worst teams in football coming into the season, is now 21, 21st in the nation. Um, and then really just kind of rounding out the bottom half, I was a little upset to see Coastal not jump higher than 13. But it doesn't completely surprise me, I guess. And then BYU sitting there at 18. I think they're better than 18, but that's what you get for losing to Coastal. Kenny, what about the top half? Yeah, I, you know, I think you brought up a good point earlier today, Pastor. We were texting offline. You talked about Iowa State jumping Cincinnati, and you're saying, and you brought up a great point. You said basically what that does is that gives the committee cover, not necessarily that they, that they think Iowa State can sniff the playoffs, that, but it gives them cover if Clemson or Texas A&M or Florida 
loses another game, they would have two losses. Well, guess who's sitting in front of Cincinnati with two losses now? Iowa State. That gives them cover to basically just take one of those teams and put them in the playoff with two losses if that if it ends up being that situation over a potentially 9-0 and Cincinnati. So effectively what that did yesterday was tell us that Cincinnati has 0% chance of making the playoff. I mean, that, that's – that's what it did because at this point now I can't imagine a scenario where even if Clemson loses the ACC championship game that they're going to fall below yeah. Cincinnati in the in the rankings. So uh, outside of that, I mean, pretty chalk. Bama, Notre Dame, Clemson, Ohio State—they're the best four teams in the country. They're ranked one through four. I have no problem with that. A and M and Florida are right there. Uh, you know, nothing really changed in the top six, and I didn't really expect it to. Yeah, I think just kind of going off your, you know. Go where you left off, Kenny. I think what last night and thinking about it and talking about it today and what the committee did last night really changed my view of college football and what this college football playoff should be, right? I I don't really know who these 13 clowns are that are sitting in a room deciding what this is. But last night when I saw those rankings come out, that was a mockery. And that's a sham of everything that makes college football great. What college football is is what we saw from BYU and Coastal Carolina last week. A team took a game on Thursday, flew halfway across the country, said we'll play anyone, anytime, anywhere, and they went out there and they put on a great performance and, in my opinion, the game of the year. And what the college football playoff committee did last night essentially said, those teams that do things like that, that aren't in the Power Five, we don't care about you anymore because they essentially locked Cincinnati out, and I think that's a crime and a sham. My opinion about a four-team playoff has changed forever because what the committee said last night was that those teams don't matter, those coaches don't matter, those players don't matter, and that is a sham. That goes against everything I've ever believed what college football is. And I tell you what, if it's going to keep following this path, then I am out. I am out on this sport because it's all these guys in a room, all about money. It is all – It literally, this is being manufactured right in front of our eyes. Going in when a conference can say, you know what – don't worry about it. We'll bend the rules just to get this one team in there so all of us else can benefit. This is being rigged right in front of our eyes, and if it doesn't get moved to 8 or 16, I am out. Ridiculous that Cincinnati lost a spot and essentially is in front of a two-win or a, a two-loss Iowa State team that, in my opinion, has done anything but prove that they were better than Cincinnati. You know what I want to see? I want to see a minimum of a 16-team playoff because that's what makes college football great, and I'm done with the, the, the Blue Bloods and this Power Five. I tell you what, the committee and college football has to make a choice, a clear choice. We either value Division One football as it is, and we expand this thing out, and say, hey, every team has a shot, that this is about the fans and this is about the sport, or you say, you know what, that's fine. We're going to create a Power 5 division because at the end of the day, that's all that matters. So make a decision instead of sitting here and string us along and basically rob Cincinnati of any shot of getting to the college football playoff. It's ridiculous, and if you're a college football fan, you should be ashamed and embarrassed today. Drop the mic. Unbelievable. I, I, I don't have anything to add, Gless. I, I, I can't follow that. I'm Brandon Fast, though, and I support this message. <laughs> I, just, I, I just listen to pundits today, and they just sit there and like, well, Ohio State's one of the best four teams in the country, so no matter what, they should get in. And I'm like, that's that. if that's what it's going to be every single year, then I'm out. I, I'm like completely out on that because then why even play the games? Because that, the, all and, we're and, seeing and, are the yeah. same schools yep. every single year. It doesn't even make college football fun when, at and, the end of the day, we go through all of these shows in the whole season of, man, this team could finally get it. And at the end of the day, look at who we're looking at one through four, really without any other expectations. 
It's just, I just, I'm tired of it, man. Ohio State's going to get in. Some kid from Northwestern's going to get COVID. They're not going to play the game, and they're going to let a 5-0 and Ohio State team sit there and play Alabama because the entire state of Ohio is going to tune into the game and their alumni base, and nobody else will care. God, it just drives me nuts. No, I, 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 I agree. Ahead, yeah, ahead, you, I mean, I, I, yes, I agree. And, and there is a little bit of nuance to it, but not this scenario is a little egregious. Like at some point you have to play the games. And I think Ohio state is one of the best four teams in the country, but you have to play the games. If, if for some reason they don't play the, the conference championship and they end up five and zero, I think that would be a total slap in the face if they made the college football. And I'm a proponent of Ohio state getting in because I think they are a top four team, but, like Gless said, you have to play the game. At some point, the games have to mean something. You have to play. What, what, if not, if not, then why don't we just schedule six game seasons from here on out? Yeah, and let's just stop wasting everybody's time. I mean, right. it's just crazy. The thing too is like we always knew this. We always knew it was a business. We always knew this stuff happened, but it was never so clearly because they still had to mostly play the games all the way up until this year. Now they just showed their ass for the most part by saying like, hey. We, we know everyone knew this, but now we're showing you that we can manipulate a schedule and a season to make sure the same five teams get in every year. For the most part. I, I tell you what, my heart goes out to Luke Fickle in Cincinnati because they have done nothing. They did everything that was asked, asked of them, right? And they're going to go, and they're going to play Tulsa, and they're going to win because they're the better team. And they're going to sit there 9-0 and and sit there probably at 8 still, undefeated, in an AAC, which I think is really good football, but because it's G5, they're going to get locked out. It's just, it's just a shame, man. It's just a, and my heart goes to those kids. Well, and, and know, they did everything yeah. that was asked to them. Yeah, and you know what's funny? I'm, and I'm going to catch a lot of heat for this probably because I know, you know, obviously I've made it very clear that I don't think a G5 team should really ever make the playoff in a normal year. If there is ever a year for them that they sh- that I could feel like I feel like the argument is valid that you are making right now, it is 2020 in the way this season has gone. So with that being said, go ahead and cut up all the clips from our previous shows and say, oh, Kenny's flip flopping. I do think that Cincinnati is a valid playoff team in 2020. And this yeah. is how strategic the, cl- the college football playoffs committee is as well. Everybody moved up pretty much that one last week. Tulsa did not. Tulsa placed Cincinnati in the conference championship. Of course, if Cincinnati beats Tulsa, they're going to be like, well, they're the 24th best team in the nation. It's like, what, why aren't they the 20th? Every but, other ranking has them in the top 20 right now besides the college football committee. And, of course, but, Iowa State beats Oklahoma, who's now ranked 11th, or vice versa. Oklahoma beats Iowa State, who is ranked 7th. Either one of those teams that win will jump Cincinnati or maintain that spot above Cincinnati. You know, as I look through at who's all on this playoff co- co- selection committee, they need to revamp the membership of this. It's a bunch of old dudes. It's a bunch of it's it's all the it boys club, dude. It's the it's boys of, club. It's a bunch of old dudes. Like Ronnie Lott's on it. What? What? Why is Ronnie Lott on? What, I've never even he's never even coached college football or done anything in college football. Why is he on it? Yeah. I, like, right, I love, yeah. I, I don't yeah. get that. There's a lot right. of guys on here that uh, I just don't uh, understand. I agree. I, I think I, I'm gonna Slocum. get. Yeah, and and I do want this next thing to be super. Yeah, a, a little bit shorter uh, because I think we've got we've covered it a little bit, but I'm just curious to get your guys' thought before we get into our game day radar. Um, you, you know, kind of what's your playoff solution? What what would you have liked to see hypothetically tried out in 2020? And and let me start here because I I I think I covered it, so I just want to finish my thought. Every other sport tried something different in 2020 because they knew that they had the leverage to do it. And college football didn't do it. They had the opportunity to test out an eight and a possibly even a 16-team playoff, knowing full well that the potential for bowl games and to cross-play conferences was going to be very difficult, especially at the height of COVID, right? We always knew there was going to be a second or a a third wave coming in December, right, around flu season, and they did nothing. And, and like I said, my, my idea has completely changed. I used to like four because I said, well, you know what, four and maybe three really realistically have a chance to win it. Uh, I've completely changed that. 
Uh, eight, in my opinion, is the minimum. And because I just – what is going on in front of our eyes I think is a travesty, and it doesn't make college football great. It's not, it's not the college football I know and love. And so I would like to see an eight team, right? I would like to see uh, certainly some wild cards in there. Um, I would like to see a minimum win balance as well. And, and I think that's new. And I think that helps out teams like Coastal. That helps out teams like BYU. That helps out teams like Liberty. Teams that have gone out there and they have played Cincinnati. Teams that have played their butts off, right? There's, there should have to be a minimum game count of what you have to play in order to qualify. That would be my solution. How about you guys? Yeah, no, I mean, you bring up great points. I, I'm with you. I, I I was really disappointed at the beginning of the year when Bill Hancock came out and said, well, we're not going to do anything different in, in terms of this college football season. And I was like, well, that's a shame because MLB, NFL, NHL, NBA, all did some pretty cool things to, like, test out since, you know, why not? It's 2020. Who cares at this point? Um, so that was a bummer. I Personally, I, I like eight. I mean, don't get me wrong. I like 16, Gless. I, I'm with you. I, I, I actually like watching the FCS playoffs every year. But I, I would like to see. I would like to see at least at minimum eight. I would like to see the Power Five conferences get in. You know, the champion of all Power Five conference of the championship game makes the championship game relevant. It still makes the season relevant. I, I, I would like to then see the top automatic G5 qualifier or independent, whatever you, whatever it is, whatever you want to label it. Um, and then and then go down the line. Like if it's an independent and a G five at five and six, then they get in. If it's you know two SEC teams at five and six or six and seven, then they get in. Then then you take then you. I mean, it, right now in this scenario, the playoffs would be Bama, Notre Dame, um, Ohio State, Iowa State, Cincinnati, and probably Clemson, Florida, and Texas A and M. I'm good with that. I mean, basically the top eight, what you see now. I, I think that'd be a great playoff. I think it'd be fantastic. Yeah. I mean, I want to echo something similar. Bottom line, there should be the conference champions should be in the playoffs. So that's five conference champions. That brings relevancy to the conference championship again. Uh, it gives every one of those conferences a shot in the playoffs. And then you got two at-larges, and then you have one G5 program or independent oh. As long USC. as long as they're in the top 15. I don't want to see if every G5 school sucks and the highest ranked one is yeah. Tulsa at 24. It has to be probably somebody like a criteria you have to be in at least the top 15 in the AP rankings. So top uh, top G5 program. If you're not, then the, the next three at largest. Yeah. I, I do sway more on the 16 than comparable to the four. The only thing I don't like about 16-game uh, playoff is the best thing about college football is every week matters. I do – get nervous once you go past eight that that doesn't mean as much anymore so i think eight is the perfect formula i think that's pretty yeah, fair I, I like eight i like 16 too but yeah i think i think eight for me i mean no, and I, by the way i made a mistake the playoffs would be right now would be alabama uh notre dame ohio state usc iowa state would be your five champions and then you'd have and then your three at larges would basically be clemson cincinnati and texas a&m that would be your five at larges, or your three at larges. Yeah. I think it'd be a great playoff. I think it'd be fantastic. Yep. Yeah, I maybe with, I, I, I get. I, yeah, I know. I maybe maybe I just like to see more more little guys, just because that's in my. I don't know. Just when I watched that Coastal BYU game, I just that, that was the best feeling that I've had all year. Well, if you're and, if you're going uh, to do that, game, I think the best game of the year. Yeah, and I think you need to, to minimize the regular season to, like, 10 games. So play eight conference yeah. games, two out of conference, minimize it to 10 games. That way the playoff can, you know, start in December, yeah. and that way you're not, you know, yeah. going into the combine, really. Yep. Yeah. All right, guys, let's, let, let's get into our game day radar before we really go down the rabbit hole. Uh, <laughs> these are games and prospects. These are prospects that are on our radar, uh, draft prospects to the upcoming week of games. I'll cover my guys first, guys. Uh, Bubba Bolden, the six foot three safety out of Miami. This guy's had really an outstanding season and has really come on the scene and has an opportunity against Sam Howell and uh, the that uh, pretty potent UNC passing game to really stake himself there as a safety to really look out for. 
probably not this class, but probably the next class. I believe he's a junior. Safety class is pretty strong this year, but I think he can really catapult himself into being one of the premier safeties for the 2022 class. He's had an outstanding season, a physical freak. Love the size, 6'3", 205. Uh, certainly a guy that can play in the box. Uh, next, The next guy or guys, because they are brothers, uh, Dante Darius Stills. Uh, both defensive interior defensive linemen for West Virginia. Both have had outstanding seasons. So Darius Stills is the one that's eligible for 2021. Uh, he's had a good year. He's been on a lot of draft radars, but his brother Dante Stills has had an outstanding season, according to Pro Football Focus. Actually outranks his brother on all of those charts, both in, in pass rush and run game. They're going to be needed against Oklahoma uh, and in order to stay in the game, they're really going to have to try to neutralize Spencer Rattler and that Oklahoma offense. So I like to see what Darius and Dante Stills can do up front, put some pressure, and pr- probably the best offensive line that they'll play against all season. Uh, Amon Ross St. Brown, guys, enough said, had such a heck of a, a, a game last week against Washington State, catching four touchdowns on several receptions. Really had a great year in this COVID-stricken season. I'd like to see him against UCLA and and really kind of continue off that dominance that he has shown so far this year and build off of what he did last week. And then uh, my fourth guy, BYU, obviously coming off the heartbreaking loss against Coastal Carolina, playing against San Diego State, look for a big uh, rebound game from BYU. But, guys, I loved uh, Tal, um, sorry, Tyler Allengeyer, the running back for BYU. Really reminds me a little bit of Nick Chubb when I watch him. I, I, I really like what I see out of him. He's had an outstanding season so far, 12 touchdowns, uh, average 7-point yard uh, – uh, sorry, 7.4 yards an attempt, uh, close to 1,000 yards. He'll probably get that this week. Really look for him to take over the game against San Diego State and put them up there early. So those are my four, well, I guess five, technically five guys, and those NFL prospects that I'm looking forward to watching this weekend. How about you, Pastel? Wow, Nick Chubb, that's a great comparison. I like that. Uh, but as far as me, I've only got three guys I want to highlight because – a couple other guys I have, their games have already been canceled. But Abraham Lucas, the offensive tackle for Washington State. Now, this is not what's supposed to be their best offensive lineman, which was uh, Andre Dillard, you know, coming into the season. But he opted out. So this has really been their linchpin across that offensive line. But he has done nothing but shut dudes out. In 136 pass blocking snaps, he has allowed one pressure. Unbelievable what he is doing right now for the Washington State offensive line. He's going against the California team uh, this week. And I'm, I'm just – Excited to see his like, how he's progressed this this year so far, and really you know jump up on the draft boards, which I think the offensive tackle, really the offensive line group right now in the NFL draft is really skyrocketed uh, after playing this year. I mean, you got guys like Rashawn Slater. I mean, guys outside of school, you have guys across all across the Alabama line and schools like this. Leatherwood, that, I mean, yeah, Leatherwood. I mean, dude, there's Walker just Little. So, yeah. If you're in, if you need a offensive lineman this year, this is a great year to find an offensive lineman, you know, deeper in the rounds. So. Uh, Abraham Lucas, great offensive tackle. The next guy, Tyree Gillespie, the safety for Missouri. Now, obviously, everyone's going to talk about Nick Bolton being the best defensive player, and rightfully so. That guy could be a first-round pick next year. But I think this guy is one of the most underrated safeties in college football and really probably one of the better safeties in the SEC. Now, he just accepted his invitation to the Senior Bowl, so he obviously is, you know, a good football player. But he's going against Georgia. He's going against, you know, JT Daniels, who has helped spark that offense. So it's really going to be a good test for Missouri, who is now ranked 25th in the nation going against a top-ranked uh, Georgia team and a quarterback that, you know, a lot of people think has improved that offense. So it's going to be interesting to see how he does against uh, more of a top-notch type of team in Georgia. My last guy, and this is more uh, as a homer, it's a big robbery this weekend, Khalil Herbert, can you please just take over that game and beat UVA? I don't care what it takes. Beat UVA this week. Kenny, who you got? It's, that game, Pastel, for me, is the ultimate Sophie's choice because I do obviously want UVA to win so bad. But I also don't want Justin Fuente to get fired. I want him to stay at Virginia Tech. So I caught him like, what do I do? What do I root for here? Do I root for a win so Fuente comes back next season? Or do I root for UVA and then possibly Fuente gets fired? I don't know what to do. I'm going to root for UVA. But it, it's it's ultimate Sophie's <laughs> choice. Nice. It's tough. I uh, So, no, I got a couple guys that really caught my, my radar this week. Uh, first guy is Sam Howe, quarterback at UNC. Started a little slow this season, kind of. 
had a lot of expectations laid on him, and, and there was this expectation that he was really going to be pretty much a dark horse, if not a prime Heisman candidate. And, and like I said, the season just kind of didn't start the way everybody thought it would. But the last five or six games, man, he has been absolutely on a tear. You're talking he's thrown over four touchdowns two times, thrown three touchdowns multiple times. Like th- this guy is starting to catch fire. And this is a big game for UNC. Miami, they face a top 10 Miami team who has a really good defensive line. So this is Hal's opportunity to face a really good defense because that's the one thing, that's the one thing Miami with Quincy, with Quincy Roche and Jalen Phillips, they get after the quarterback. So I want, this is, this is a good opportunity to see how Sam Howe stands up against a good pass rush and can he make the right decisions because UNC has an offense. They have a really, really good offense. But let's see how it shows up against a really, really good defense because they kind of struggled against Notre Dame. Although Hal played decently well, they didn't play great. So this is an opportunity to kind of rebound and show that he can play against tough defenses. My next guy is John Raddington, linebacker at Army. And they play, obviously, Navy this week. I was looking at rivalry games when I was looking at some players to watch, and this guy really stood out. He's the only guy on pro football focus who is even in the same galaxy as Zayvon Collins, according to their rankings. He's the second-best linebacker, according to Pro Football Focus, and he's actually kind of close to Zayvon Collins. Like It's, it's, not, it's not a walk away, but those two are on a whole other level. Hey, man, this is your opportunity to cement yourself in Army lore by going out, winning, taking back the Commander-in-Chief trophy. Look, he's six foot one, 245 pounds. With the with the he has an opportunity he can play all three downs he has an opportunity to play at the next level and with the with the ruling that you can defer your uh, what do you call it pastel your service is that what you would say you could defer your service in the military until yeah. to to go have a shot at playing professional football he can do that in a big game against a you know it is what it is Navy's got athletes. They've got, they've got fast guys on offense. They run a triple option. He goes up there and puts up a big game on national television, CBS Game of the Week. He's going to get a lot of eyes on him that are, that are already pointed at him, and it just really enhances his stock further. My next guy is Brennan Armstrong, quarterback at a UVA. Man, Dude. I railed this guy like crazy early in the year. I was like, dude, this guy stinks. He shouldn't be, he shouldn't be the quarterback at UVA. They're going to they're be bad. Man, the last four games – He's figured it out. It's clicked. I mean, you're talking about a guy who's had 10 touchdown passes and two interceptions the last four games. He's had over 300 yards rushing. He's, he ran for 130 yards and passed for almost 300 last week against Boston College in a big victory. They, he's a big reason why they've gone from one and three to five and four. You know, that is, is his turnaround and play. This is, your, this is the game, though. This is the Commonwealth Cup. This is the prove. That last week, what last year, sorry, wasn't an aberration against Virginia Tech. I'm really excited to see if Brendan Armstrong can continue to elevate his play like he's done the last four games and salvage a what looked to be lost Virginia season now with the possibility of ending up six and four and going to a pretty primetime bowl game uh, in this 2020 season. And my last guy is Larry Roundtree, the third running back out of Missouri. Fun stat, he's the best running back that's ever come out of Missouri at this point, statistically. The only other person who has more rushing yards in the, in the in program's history is Brad Smith, who was a dual-threat quarterback uh, for Missouri in the early 2000s. Other than that, it's Larry Roundtree. He holds a lot of rushing records. This is the opportunity to for a coronation. This guy, he's not a day-one pick. I don't think he's a day-two pick either. But he could play his way into the third round, I think, especially with a standout game against Georgia and some tough SEC opponents. He's a guy who does everything well but nothing great. And what I really like about him, though, is he's a he's your he's that kind of guy who sees the hole, he hits it, and he's gone. He doesn't hesitate. He gets north quick, and he, he's not he's not wasting any motion east or west. I like what I like the way this guy runs. He's a natural runner. The problem is, come combine time. He's probably going to run like a four six, maybe a high four five. He's not overly big and physical. He's just a natural athlete. He's a natural runner, and I think him doing well against a really really tough Georgia defense could do a lot to bolster his stock and maybe find his way into the third round uh, in next year's draft, a late second day pick. 
football is back in full swing. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in all the action on Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in in every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. Their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of the great sign up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word, Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. So, that, those are my four guys that were on my radar this week. Now let's, let's pivot to what we like to call our bet online segment. This is the segment where we pick our winners for the week. We pick our locks. We pick what we think as Gless calls big fatties. Big fatties, big fat winners. Big, and, and you know what? Gless can kind of call them whatever he wants to call them because he's tearing everybody up right now. But let me start with my five games and we'll, 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 then we'll, we'll pivot over to you, Gless. So for me, the five games that caught my eye, Pitt laying six and a half points at Georgia Tech. I'm taking Pitt in the points. I think they roll against Georgia Tech. My next game is Navy at Army. Army's laying seven points. I'm taking Army in the points. I think they win big. San Diego State at BYU. BYU's laying 16. I'm taking BYU. I think they're. I think they come out guns blazing. And, and honestly, I just don't think San Diego State has the. I mean, they don't have the offense to hang with Nevada, much less BYU. So I think it is, I think it'll be a pretty easy game for BYU, even with San Diego State's great defense. My next game's Coastal laying 13 and a half points at Troy. I'm taking Coastal. I think they win big. And then Virginia Tech UVA. I'm taking the over. I don't think either of these teams have stopped anybody defensively all year. I think it's going to be a high-scoring shootout like the last two years have been. So I'm taking the over. Bless. Oh, and I went two and one last week, and on the season I'm 21, 31, and one. Bless. How about you? Yeah, so I went four and one last week. Uh, I, I crushed it. I had Arkansas plus three, Tulsa minus 12, Alabama covered at 29 and a half. And then I took the Ohio State-Michigan State over at 59 and a half. Uh, I did lose the Florida minus 17. Got close on that one. Backdoor score kind of got me there. Uh, but I'm 26 and 15 on the year. I'm the only one on the show right now that has a winning record. So <laughs> I got I got five and a bonus. Right. I'm gonna I'm gonna give everybody a really good bonus money line pick at the end. Uh, first game, Nevada. Actually, a big game. Actually, uh, Nevada versus San Jose State. San Jose San Jose State is two. Uh, is at minus two and a half. I'm taking San Jose State and the points here. I've actually bet on San, uh, San Jose State three times this season already, and, and I've won all three of them. Uh, so I'm going to keep it rolling. That I think they're a really good squad uh, as well. I think it's going to be a good game, but I think San Jose uh, State wins by, by probably about four or five points. It'll be a close one, but I think they do cover that minus two and a half. Uh, Louisville versus Wake. Wake's one-point dogs, essentially a pick em game. I'm taking Wake, in, Wake here uh, for two reasons. One, I think Wake's the better team. Two, I think Louisville stinks, Coach. So I'm taking Wake here to cover that plus one. Again, basically just a pick them game. Alabama versus Arkansas. This one's interesting. This one goes against what I did last week. Arkansas, 32.5-point dogs. I'm actually taking Arkansas to cover here. At no point do I think this game is going to be close, right? I think Alabama is going to high-step it. I think Alabama is not going to want to show everything that they're going to do against Florida. So I think they take the gas off in the second half here. And I think Arkansas covers that 32.5 point, um, that 32 and a half point line. So I'm taking Arkansas to cover that uh, as the 32.5 point dogs. Uh, Troy versus Coastal. I'm with Kenny on this one. I think Coastal wins big at minus 13.5, taking – uh, Coastal and the points. Wisconsin and Iowa. This one's interesting, guys. Pastel. I'm going back to my do theory here. The old do theory. The, the old do theory. Over under 41 and a half. That is extremely low. But if you look at Wisconsin's offensive output and you look at Iowa's offensive output, you easily see why this line's at 41 and a half. I think both offenses are due to have a big game 
are a bigger game than what they've done. So I'm going with the do theory, taking the over 41 and a half. And then my bonus fatty for you, money line pick, Minnesota's at plus 305 against Nebraska. I think I'm going to take Minnesota to win that for a couple reasons. One, I think Nebraska just stinks. I think the line, I think, is at 10.5, which is way too big with those two teams. I think Minnesota gets a win this week against Nebraska. I'm taking Minnesota. That would be my bonus money line pick if you want to win some cash betting money line. So, Pasto, who do you got? I'm just going to take every pick you had, man. You seem to be crushing it. So, uh, (laughs) (laughs) no, man, I'm going to go with – a couple guys, I think I'm going to rebound me because I went two and three last week. Overall, 28, 30, and one. So I definitely need to have an above 500 record here this week. So I'm going to first start out with uh, Oklahoma minus 14 over West Virginia. I think Oklahoma's been rolling recently, and I think they continue that mo- uh, momentum. Knowing that they need to win big, I think they do so, and they win by more than 14. Minnesota versus Nebraska. Leslie, you've already talked about it. I think uh, Minnesota covers that 10.5 spread right now. If not, they probably beat Nebraska, honestly. So I got Minnesota in that game. Oklahoma State minus six versus Baylor. Uh, I believe Oklahoma State's going to have a rebound game, so I think they covered that minus six and they beat Baylor. USC minus 2.5 over UCLA. I think USC's been rolling lately. I know it's almost like the do theory. Eventually they're going to blow it as well, but I don't think that's this week. I think USC covers uh, minus 2.5. And then my last bet right now is Utah versus Colorado. Colorado laying a point and a half. I'm going to keep betting on Colorado until they uh, they prove me otherwise. So I'm going to take Colorado over Utah. Love that, Colorado over Utah. But dude, you're all in the Colorado train. It's like the only safe bet for me right now. I mean, it, yeah. it's probably going to fall on my face one day, and hopefully not this week. Well, who knows? Who knows? I, I mean, I do, Pac-12 is tough to, to bet on, I will say that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I can attest to that, which is why I didn't take any Pac-12 games this week again. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I like the uh, I like I do like the USC pick though I do like that minus two and a half. Yeah, yeah, I like I, that I, I rivalry to, game. Yeah, for sure. Take, I wanted to take Missouri plus thirteen and a half versus Georgia so bad, but I chickened out. I chickened out. I just couldn't. I couldn't do it. But I wanted to take that game so bad because I feel like that's going to be one of those games where Missouri hangs with Georgia the entire game. I mean, wow. they obviously could. I mean, they, they had LSU earlier this year. They, they're they ranked for a reason. They've been playing good ball. And we just mentioned a bunch of dudes on their team and our prospects to watch. They have one of the better defenses. So you never know. You really never know. That's right. No, you're right. You're right. Even though sports had a break, your business didn't. You have to keep moving, and that makes hiring more important than ever. Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier, like sponsored jobs which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the important hire you need, just like they have for over 3 million businesses. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through December 31st. Well, this wouldn't be Prospects 101 if we didn't talk any recruiting news. Pastel. Signing day is right around the corner. We're to, I think we're less than two weeks away from the first signing day, the early signing day period. So that is very exciting. But why don't you tell us about some of the top signings, some decommitments, and any transfers that happened this past week? Yeah, so the trend right now is not so many signings, but a lot of decommitments. And that makes a lot of sense, right? Because the early signing period, like you just said, is about to happen. So a lot of guys are second-guessing their decision, and they're probably going to now start recommitting to other schools. So with that being said, 
Georgia picked up one of their best signings this uh, offseason in Nalen Green, a four-star corner, fifth-best corner in the composite rankings, second-best corner, and top-20 overall prospect according to 24-7 in their rankings. And that moves Georgia up officially to the number three overall ranking in the rankings in the 2021 class. You called it, Pastel. You called it. Kind of an easy one, honestly. And, dude, they still have a lot more guys on the way. I don't think they get higher than three but they're going to have a pretty strong uh, recruiting class. The next guy is uh, John Lewis, four-star linebacker. He now signs with Mississippi State. He's a six-foot-four, six 225-pound linebacker. This past year, he had 13 sacks as a linebacker in Mississippi. Big-time pickup from Mississippi State. Those are my two big top signings of the week. I, I have a big-time feeling next week we're going to have about eight guys to discuss. But as far as decommitments – Decommitments. We got a big guy from uh, was it Ocean Lakes, Virginia, Naquan Brown. Decommits from LSU. He's a top 250 prospect, uh, four-star player, defensive end, number seventh in Virginia, and he now signs with the University of Pittsburgh. Great pickup for Pittsburgh. Luke Altemeyer, the four-star quarterback, once commit to Florida State University, now has decommitted and signed with Ole Miss. Which, by the way, if you look at 24/7 Sports, Ole, uh the Crystal Balls right now. Ole Miss has like 20 if you go to their page. Like I don't, I'm not sure what happened in the last week, but look for a wave of commitments going to Ole Miss if 24-7 is correct in their crystal ball predictions. The next guy is Jadarius Perkins, the number seven overall JUCO player. He is now decommitted from Oregon. It looks like pretty much every university out there has now offered this guy, so it's going to be very interesting to see where he now goes. And then Jake Garcia, uh, Someone that decommitted, I think, about a week ago from USC. All crystal balls have now been pointed towards Miami. That would be a great pickup uh, for Miami, as we all believe Derek King will uh, leave for the NFL draft next year. So hopefully another quarterback, big-time quarterback, can step right in for him at Miami. As far as our top pro- uh, transfers, or at least guys that entered the transfer portal, this one's kind of interesting. The University of Cincinnati's backup quarterback, their second-string quarterback, Ben Bryant, has now entered the transfer portal, leaving room for their star freshman quarterback, uh, four-star player, top 50 overall prospect last year, uh, really taking the realms at second string. USC, I'm probably going to butcher this name, but their once five-star linebacker, Pelé, uh, Gayo T-O-T-I. Uh, he has yep. now entered the um, uh, a transfer portal. That one kind of shocks me because that guy was a stud for USC as well. So I'm not too sure why he has entered the transfer portal. And then last but not least, this guy is not in the transfer portal, but he has opted out of LSU, and that's Eric Gilbert, the tight end for LSU, one of the best tight ends to come out of high school probably in our lifetime. So it's really interesting to see what happens with him. The rumor is he is homesick and coming from Georgia. The indication right now would he would commit to a school in Georgia or around the area if he wants to leave LSU. Those are the top guys that have entered the transfer portal this past week. I, I, saw, some, I, I saw some stuff on him. Coach O was being interviewed. I guess he said his body's really banged up, right? Yeah. Like just physically. Physically he's not there. And I, what does LSU have? I think it's just one more game left, right? Yeah, I think so, yeah. Well, yeah, it would, it would have to be one more game. I don't know who they play this week. Is it not um, Florida? Yeah, they play Florida. Oh, they play they're Florida. Gonna, they're going to get boat raced by Florida. Yeah, they, they are going to get boat raced. Um, but I that that one's an interesting to me if he's quote unquote homesick. I, you know, I'd be I'd be a little bit stunned to see him go on to another SEC program unless it was the University of Georgia. If he's so homesick, he has to be end up being a bulldog, right? Yeah, he's from Marietta. That would be. That would suck, man, if he goes to Georgia. At least go to, like, Georgia Tech or something. That'd be cool. Like, well, then we get Well, then we get to see him in Georgia only catch, like, 10 balls a year because Georgia's offense sucks. <laughs> so, I mean, at least going to – I hope he goes to a place where, like, they're going to yeah. utilize him. Well, but think about this. I mean, you know, we've talked about this on the show. Less than two hours from Atlanta is Clemson, Georgia, Auburn – and then I think you stretch it out just a little bit more to get Alabama. Right. I mean, okay, yeah. so he can be closer to home, so he basically has the pick of where he wants to go. Yeah. So. Yeah, I hope he goes somewhere big uh, or goes somewhere where they have a good offense. Like, I'd like to see that guy in a good offense if he doesn't stay at LSU. I do think he would have had a better season if Miles Brennan didn't get hurt because Miles Brennan was a top ten quarterback, according to Pro Football Focus, before he got hurt. So, you know, the quarterback they have now – is playing really bad. He's a true freshman, Finley. He's not playing good at all. Yeah, so, he's not and, very good. Unfortunately. 
I think they're waiting for Nussmeyer to get there. I think Nussmeyer could come in and start right away. Speaking of um, early signing day, that's right around the corner, obviously, on the 16th uh, through the 18th. But also what's what's coming around the corner, guys, I'm pretty pumped about is the January 2nd, um, they call it the the All-American Bowl Declaration Day. You're going to have guys like Corey Foreman, Tristan Lay, uh, Wyden Holalehe, um, Elijah Judy, Jared and Gilbert, uh, Amron Bethea. I mean, a bunch of big names are going to be committing that day. So for all you recruitment fans, keep January 2nd on your calendar as well. There might not be an All-American Bowl this year, but they still will continue the tradition. It's going to be a big thing. It's going to be on NBC it's going to be a big commitment day for uh, a lot of big-time recruits. Now, I hope what doesn't happen is they leak where those guys sign because I'm pretty sure they have to sign in December before January 2nd, if I'm correct. So hopefully it's one of those things they sign just keep you know close-lipped until they actually announce on January 2nd. Yeah. Well, do they do – they, well, I, I say they – normally, I mean, I think that's how they – yeah, I think that's normal because I believe they do that. They do this with the All-American Bowl every year, and it's never an issue. So I'd imagine it shouldn't be an issue this year, I, I would think. But there's also a second signing day. Remember that. So they can commit. They don't have to sign early. It's just yeah, early for, signing for, day. for the players that want to enroll into the spring semester. Correct. Yeah. Correct. You're, yeah, you're Which correct that, that. That's a whole other can of worms, right? You get into potential spring practices. Yeah, that, that's crazy. What's going to be insane about the guys that signed early <clears> – <throat> You know, for some of these players, they never had a senior season, right? They, they didn't play. They, the only thing they have is their junior film. So, well, I don't shoot, know, Virginia's man. not even starting football. Virginia's not even starting high school football until late February. <laughs> yeah, well, and and the way everything's going, I'd be surprised if that's happening. A lot of school districts that were supposed to be in person sent their kids back home to be virtual. So, all right, guys, let's get let's get out of here. Uh, Everyone listening, make sure you add Prospects 101 to your college football routine on Saturdays by following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We're always posting throughout the week and throughout the games. Uh, Please subscribe to Prospects 101 on your favorite podcast platform to stay up to date with all of our episodes. Also, make sure you give us that five-star review. We really appreciate it. Also, helps us spread the word. For Pastel, for Kenny, I'm Glad. Enjoy week 15 of college football. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Metrics second half 2020 U.S. reported three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.